0: The Sunday Sermons Podcast. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us and worshiping with us. I hope that you truly participate in this message as well. You'll have several places not only to read the scripture along either on the screen or in your printed Bible or Bible app that you brought with you, some places to write stuff down. If you want to go ahead and get out the handout, Um, that came with the bulletin. If you're joining us online, there should be a digital way to access that somehow. But this morning, we're going to be exploring some stuff that I, I, I hope and pray that you've heard most of this, if not all of this at some point. But when we really truly embrace this stuff, when we live this way, when this is how we look at life, how we actually make our daily choices, it's truly revolutionary. It changes everything. And I hope that in these spaces where you get to write something down, that you actually spend some time with God and you get something done. Let's just jump in. Last week, we started this two-part series called Like a Child. We looked at how Jesus said that unless we change and become like little children, we can't even enter the kingdom of heaven, which is why this is so important. Really quickly, what we talked about last time was these two big ideas. One, that to be like a child at least includes that we look at love, that our life depends on it. Specifically, the full life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. Life as he designed it. Unless we love one another as he loved us, we're missing love. Love. Our life depends on it. And the same thing is to live in, with, like children in the sense that there is no tomorrow for them. It's so hard for them to wait on stuff. But the good side of that is that they want to do it right now. If it's supposed to get done, let's just do it. If it's a good thing, let's do it. If it tastes good, let's eat it, right? Let's make this happen. And we adults get way too good at procrastinating. Another thing foundationally that we laid, and I hope this will be clearer than ever today, is that Jesus was not telling us to be childish. He doesn't want us to be, be perpetually naive and ignorant and immature. He wants us to be childlike in all these specific ways. And probably several others, but these are the core ones I really felt like God wanted to say. So one more time, I'm going to read a scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Set this up, and then we're going to hear a story from Kathy Young on a video. Uh, Paul writes this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The dream of Jesus for us to approach the kingdom like a child is not that we stay like children in every respect, but that's how we approach him, and then we want to grow up just as much as kids do. But even kids get that right sometimes. Let's listen to this funny story.
1: Years ago when we lived in Michigan, I was teaching a Wednesday evening program uh, first graders, and I was trying to teach them the concept of sin. Now, the definition of sin is disobedience to God's law. And if you're a first grader, you don't know what God's law is. So sin is very abstract. But most of the children seem to be getting it, except one little boy. Of course, it had to be a boy. And so I tried to be more concrete with him. And I said, have you ever cheated at a game? He was very serious. He said, no. I said, have you ever disobeyed your parents? No. And I did several of these, not making a dent. And I got frustrated, and I resorted to sarcasm. Now, children do not understand sarcasm. And I said, well, you must be perfect. And again, he was very serious, and he thought, and in a voice of awe, he said, I guess so. We all
0: have a lot to learn. All of us, even children. That's why throughout the scripture, we're told not only to keep learning, but to help each other learn. The whole book of Proverbs begins and ends with instructions about learning for everybody and several specific things for parents to guide their children. It starts out in in one of the verses in chapter one says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs three eleven says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Proverbs 9, 9 says, instruct the wise. Listen to this. This is very important. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Hear the process the ongoing growth in that. Proverbs 22, 6 says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 31 wraps up, by the way, if you uh, with the advice of a king's mother. And that Proverbs 31 idea comes from uh, a woman. I think that's worth noting whenever I get a chance. But anyway, we're going to keep going. Here's where we start today. These are the ideas I really believe God wants us to Just re-embrace more than ever before. If we're going to approach the kingdom of heaven like children, it has to include this idea. Never stop learning. Would you write down that word learning on the blank wherever you write down things? And would you say that out loud with me this morning? Never stop learning. Here's why. The day that we start believing that we have it all figured out, we've learned all we need to know. That everybody else needs to start learning from us for a change. That's the day we start forgetting stuff and knowing less and less every day. That's the day that we start becoming less and less relevant. Uh, If you're filling out the blanks, here's what I would write down. I would say forgetting and fading away. The day that we start believing that we know all there is to know is the day that we start forgetting what we do know and start just fading away. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Matthew 11 it says, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And if you don't see already how actively God is involved in trying to help us learn stuff or sometimes hide things from us, that's a whole other subject. Look at the verses right before that one. All things have been committed to me by my Father, I'm sorry, this is the next one. All things have been committed to me by my father, Jesus says. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son. And those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. God wants to keep revealing stuff to us as well. Again, the image of the shepherd is not one that just I own these sheep. But I protect and lead these sheep every single day. They know my voice. They follow me. John fifteen fifteen, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And this absolutely includes the fact that we now have his word written, that we have access to Bible studies and places like this where we get together and talk about the Bible and try to learn more. But it also is just an ongoing process. It's not that God just says, I've made it available, good luck. This is something he wants us to keep at. So this morning, I'm gonna give you just a couple of minutes here real quick. And I would like you to write down what the right answer is for you in this simple sentence. I am still learning. I'm still learning what? I'm still learning to... I'm still learning why... I'm still learning what... I'm still learning if... I'm going to be quiet for a second and just let God talk to you guys. We all have something that we need to learn. One of the most annoying things is to try to teach somebody something and them say, like a lot of children actually do, I know. I already know how to do that. You don't have to teach me how to do that. Has this ever happened before? You try to teach somebody something, you know good and well they don't know what you're teaching There's no possible way. They've never experienced this before. And you don't think you're a better person than them, and you're not arrogant, and you're not trying to treat them like a loser. But there's no possible way. But they go, oh, I know. I got it. Yeah. How many times do we do that with God? How many times is that how we exasperate our Father?" Thank God, God takes his own advice, the advice that he says through the Apostle Paul Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Here's the second big idea. If we're going to approach life, not just love, but literally everything in life, like children, in the sense that Jesus, I really believe, was trying to get us to do that, we've got to never stop growing. Once again, if you'd write that down, I'd really appreciate that. And also, we're going to say it out loud together. I want it to sink in. Here we go. Together, never stop growing. One of the things I love about children is how they are obsessed with growing up. They, they, they do a better job than most of us adults at just living every day, living in the moment, enjoying it to the full, embracing the people that are in their world every day. That We we have a lot to learn from them. But at the same time, they don't want to be a kid forever. They know that they were on this planet not just to survive, but to grow and to learn, and they want to grow up. They're always dreaming about what's going to happen when they're big. They're always wanting the next milestone. They're always celebrating those milestones. They're not just three, they're three and a half. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're excited in every new thing. And now I'm as tall as grandma. Now I'm as tall. You know what I'm talking about? They're so excited about the growth. They're excited about making progress. And yeah, they, uh, we need to learn how to celebrate today like they do. But today to them is part of what's worth celebrating is it's, it's another step in the direction of the next today. And there's so much hope that sometimes I think we lose. This idea of growth is central to almost all of Jesus' teaching. He comes back to that theme over and over again. One example is John 15. We just quoted uh, one verse from the middle of that. But a lot of John 15, Jesus is using the image of the vine and the branches. That God the Father in this image is, is the owner of the vineyard, the vine dresser, the, the, the person who's cultivating this vineyard. Jesus himself in this image is the, the vine itself. And then we are the branches and we're there to grow and to produce fruit. Does this sound familiar to anybody? You've heard this one before. But how many times is, is it, well, how, how much can I just do my own thing and still stay connected technically? How much can I just do whatever I wanna do each day, but still somehow be counted as part of the vine? How many times do we get distracted by going the opposite direction but we, so, and arguing about are we still connected or not? We're designed to grow. We're designed to produce fruit. And if you read that whole image, and I encourage you to do that, read, just read that whole chapter again. Jesus says, those who produce fruit, his father will prune and help them produce even more fruit. Those who don't get cut off and thrown away. However you understand that theologically, that's a scary image. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's a scary idea, however you interpret that. This idea of growth is also something that we use in our culture all the time, partly because a lot of our culture really was at least rooted in some Christian ideas. So we talk about people grow... When they get better at things. For example, it's almost Christmas time. Yeah, how many like the Grinch? You guys like the story of the Grinch? I do. Especially, I, I, I got to be honest, I like the really old ones. The new, funnier, crazier, live action. I, I, okay, cool. But I like the old, the old one. Just the book and the old cartoon where they just read the book. Those are my favorites. But I think you'll all remember this line near the end. It says, the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day and we know all know exactly what that means right it it didn't physically grow but this guy finally got it he finally learned how to love he finally understood something about the whole celebration of christmas and whatever else that he didn't know before he grew and he grew exponentially something major happened and it was worth celebrating it was a big breakthrough for him Another one of my favorite Christmas stories is the, uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. And I like almost every version I've seen. My personal favorite is the Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm just going to lay that out there. Uh, that may increase or decrease your respect of me, but that's my favorite. That's my favorite. But in every single one of the stories, the Scrooge character represents the worst of adults and also the worst of children. Because he's selfish, he's childish, he's arrogant, he thinks he knows everything when he really, really doesn't, right? Which are all the things that children at their worst struggle with that we're trying to teach them not to do. But when you get old enough to kind of boss other people around, if you're doing that even more, that's the worst possible adult. He stopped growing, he stopped changing, he got locked into being his worst version of himself and he's like that for a long long time and then this story happens and miraculously he gets to look back into his past and it unlocks some of the places that he went wrong some of the things some of the choices he made some of the things that happened to him and he realizes that he really deep down didn't really want to turn out the way he had turned out And he miraculously gets to look forward into the future and he realizes for the first time what road he's actually walking down. He realizes where the choices he's making daily and how he treats people and how he looks at life and how he does everything he does, where that's going if nothing changes. And already just those two revelations start to change him. But what really rocks his world, what puts all the icing on the cake is when he meets the ghost of Christmas present. I love the way he's depicted in the Muppet version. He's this huge giant that just keeps saying, come in and know me better, man. He's just so excited about everything. And he's just loving every single moment of this day. It happens to be Christmas day. But what he's really celebrating is today. Today. Period. Right now. He's celebrating that right now is all we ever have. Like we talked about last week. Yesterday, it was today then. That's why something actually happened. Tomorrow, if we all make it to tomorrow, it's going to be today, tomorrow. And that's why something could happen then. But the stuff that happens always happens today, right here, right now. And for the first time in his life, Scrooge started asking some questions about how he was living today. And what if he made some changes to that? What if he did something differently today? It's not even so much about Christmas Day as it is today, every day. Is this connect with you guys? This moves me on the deepest part of my soul. It's one of the reasons I love this story so much. The Muppet version also has some pretty cool songs, I gotta be honest. It's some funny jokes. But this idea of Scrooge transformation, he he grows up. Even, this, even that I love the symbol of just he takes off his, his old black scarf and he puts on this bright red one that a child gave him. There's something just really simple and beautiful in that image. Psalm 9212 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. In other words, they just keep growing and growing and growing and producing fruit. Jesus said, and why do you worry about clothes and a whole bunch of other things? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor, labor or spend I love that idea of flowers. No, of course they can't worry. As a kid, I used to hear that story and go, well, of course they don't. They're plants. Don't tell me how to live my life based on a plant. But Jesus was really wise there. Flowers grow. Their whole life is way shorter than our life. But my gosh, they're beautiful. And that's how we could be too if we lived like that. So again, he uses this idea over and over. In Matthew chapter 13, he uses it in several different ways, this idea of growth and producing fruit, several different ones. I'm sure they're familiar to you. He talks about the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds where there's weeds planted next to the wheat and they decide to leave it until the end and sort it out at the end. In that, he says, uh, this is what the, the farmer in that story says. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Again, they're side by side, but the weeds aren't producing anything. They're absorbing the same nutrients, they're being watched over by the same farmers and the farmer's servants. They're being watered. They're being taken care of exactly like the wheat. But the wheat are producing something, and the weeds are not. And at the end, the point of this story is, trust me to sort it all out. I know. I know the difference. Matthew 13, verses 31 to 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Again, this idea of growth, and it grows into something that can actually make things better for others as well. And You see this so clearly in Paul's writing, not just in 1 Corinthians 13 where he talks about, I'm no longer like a child, I've grown up a little bit. He uses it in several places. Let's look at a couple together. Ephesians 4 is a beautiful passage about what living as a Christian really looks like. The whole chapter is incredibly good. And in the middle, he says, when we're heading that direction, when we get to that point, when that's how we're living each today... And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Colossians, he writes, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit Gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. I'd like to give you another couple of minutes to write something down. Finish this sentence if you would. Pray a prayer, talk to the people next to you, do what you gotta do, but finish this. I am still growing, still growing in, growing in the direction of, I'm going to be totally quiet here, go for it, if you can't think of something, again, I bet you somebody in your life knows a really good possible answer, and I guarantee you that Jesus does We're all still growing and we've got to keep growing. We've got to keep learning, keep growing. And if we're not, we're not just arrived, we're heading down the downward slope. So here's one more encouragement. Just like we said, to love like there's no tomorrow, we need to live like there's no tomorrow. And again, not live completely crazy and recklessly and and just throw caution to the wind and be crazy that's not what we're talking about it means we understand that today is today and all the action that ever matters in ever in history always happened whenever it was today and anything that's ever going to matter is going to happen whenever tomorrow or next week or next year is today that's when it's actually going to happen and so we don't put stuff off until Tomorrow, we, we, we at least get started today. We celebrate how far we've come today. We celebrate where we are today, whatever is worth celebrating. We look forward to the future, but we celebrate the milestones there. There's two blanks here. Here's what I would write down if I were you is moment and other. So it would read like this. Live like there's no tomorrow. May we fully embrace each moment. The joy, the pain, the longing, the satisfaction. Whatever each moment brings, may we fully embrace each other today. While back, I actually sang a couple lines from a Tim McGraw song. It's probably my favorite country song. Um, It's called... Live like you were dying. And it kind of deals with this idea. But in the middle of that is some of the best advice. This guy th- thinks he's living on really limited time. And he says, and I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I been denying. Maybe you need to do one of those three things today. Don't wait till Christmas Day. Don't wait till ghosts come and visit you in the night and do some really dramatic thing out of your control. You get to choose what you do today, no matter what. Start doing that today. One of the greatest examples that I've personally seen recently of how God can change you, no matter how old you are, is my wife's grandmother, Eloise Broyles. Uh, We called her Gigi. It stood for uh, great-grandma. And um, she was always a pretty cool lady. But in her later years, she dramatically became sweeter and kinder and more aware of the goodness in life and more aware of the people around her and the love that they had for her. There were so many days that Kim was busy and somebody, her parents were busy and I would take her lunch. And I knew she liked hamburgers and coffee. So I'd go by Wendy's and Weigel's because there's good coffee there. And I remember every single time we'd sit down and I love to hear her stories and hear her rave on about some of the cool stuff she'd do. But every single time she'd take a bite and she'd go, oh, that's so good. That might be the best hamburger I've ever had. Every single time. And she'd drink that Weigel's coffee that nine times out of 10, I'm just like, please caffeine, get to work. And she'd take a sip and she'd savor it and she'd say, oh, that's good coffee. That is really good coffee. I love coffee. We talk about coffee for a little bit. She was living in the moment. She was embracing the moment and she was embracing the people around her. And that we all learned a lot from her. In those last couple of years, watching her change and become more and more childlike in all the best possible ways. It helped us learn how to celebrate our today's even better. And this is part of it. This is where we're going to wrap up today. This is part of our job as Christians is to help each other grow up in all the best ways. To grow up as in the way a heart grows three times larger all at once. To grow up in the way that you learn to wear the red scarf and give stuff away instead of the black scarf and be mean. Are you with me on this? We grow up in the best sense. Hebrews 3 See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You've got a chance today to make a decision in the direction of God. As I'm looking around this room, I know most of you, don't know all of you, but I know most of you. And I know that most of you have it together. You're actually uh, right where I am or farther down the road following Jesus. You guys, you, you don't really have to give your life to Jesus for the first time. But if you realize today that there's something you're still learning or need to start learning or some way that you're still growing or some way you need to start growing again would you throw that at the feet of Jesus today would you would you take a few minutes whether that means staying right where you are or coming forward making it public keeping it private but would you would you take a step a tangible step in that direction this morning And if you've never given your life to Jesus in the first place, or you've been running from him for a long time and you're finally ready to just throw it at his feet again today, if he's been encouraging you to officially join our church or any other decision, would you make it today? Would you not put it off till tomorrow? We're all gonna stand, we're all gonna sing, we're all gonna recommit our lives to Jesus through this song. But if you've got something that you know God's asking you to do, not me, but God, just do it. And that's going to be down there. I'll be at the back. Whichever is more comfortable for you, come and talk to one of us. Otherwise, just sing your heart out to God and do it today.